0: Oh man, so happy Father's Day to all of our dads. What a special day it is for you guys. Absolutely. We're so privileged to have people to really speak into our life, aren't we? Absolutely. You know, I was um, as I was preparing for this message, I couldn't help but think, and it's a little bit different than Mother's Day. Mother's Day I had a lot more videos. Today I don't have quite as many. There's one more in, in the lurk between my message today, but You know, I was sitting there kind of thinking to myself a little bit, you know, what does dads really mean to us? What do dads really do for us within our lives? And being a father myself, I began to think, you know, we do a whole stinking lot. You know what I mean? We do a lot, right? I mean, we put up with the tantrums. We put up with the—here's me especially. Every time at the house, right, It's when I'm not here at the church working— And I'm I'm home for the evening, and I need to make a phone call to somebody within the church or a business-related phone call. You know, my first thing is I find my boys, and I go to them, and I say, Look, Daddy's got to get on the phone, so I need you to be quiet. Can you guys do that? And they both look at me, Yeah, yeah. They're liars, all right? Because the moment I get on the phone and I start talking... Within two minutes of the conversation, one's hit the other, that one's crying, the other one's now crying because he sees the look on my face as I'm staring at him, and I'm going, I'm on the phone. And some of you, you might have actually heard that, I'm on the phone, when you've called me, okay? So I need to apologize ahead of time for that one. But, you know, dad's really speaking to our lives. A lot of value comes from people speaking to my lives. I feel that I'm very privileged uh, to stand here because I'm a, I think, fourth generation pastor within my family. And I think that, absolutely. That's a heritage for me that I look at and I go, you know, I'm kind of proud of that. You know, I really am. And uh, I remember growing up, my mom and dad, one of the big things they would look at me. And especially when it was, you know, my high school years, my mom would come to me, well, Kevin, any thoughts about your future? Ninth grade, no. I think you're going to take care of me forever, you know, 10th grade comes around. Now, Kevin, what, what is your plans for the future? What do you think you need to be start thinking about college? Uh, I'll just, you know, whatever, you know, I, I was too pride, too busy playing a video game or playing baseball or something in, in the moment. 11th grade, it was, oh, I'm going to go play ball. I'm going to go play ball. I'm going to go play ball somewhere. And, and, and that was my main thinking. And then senior year come around. What are you going to do with your future? Not everything revolves around baseball, Kevin. You know, and this and that. Well, at the time, that's what it did. And, uh, you know, I remember my mom looked at me one day and 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 because I, I made a comment to her and I, something to the nature of, well, you know, my brothers, none of them are in the ministry. You know, I mean, they, they're a part of ministry, but they're not, uh, you know, a pastor or leading in a ministry. And, and, and I thought to myself, you know, well, is, is that kind of on me now to do? And I remember going to my mom one day about it. And, and I said, and she goes, and I, and I mentioned to her about that. You know, I said, you know, all the generations before me has had a pastor in it. And, you know, is that the route I'm supposed to go? My mom was like, no, no, no. You do whatever God tells you to do. We don't care what you do as long as you do something. You know, that's how, can all the parents. Can we get an amen on that one? Right. I don't care what you do. Just do it and do it the best you can. And uh, many of you have heard that story where I felt the call to the ministry. And, but I look back on that and I go, I have had people speak into my life. A lot of people. I've had my father. I'm so privileged to have a dad who is God-fearing, God-loving, and, and made sure that his home centered everything around God. And, and, and I, I have the hard time of sitting there thinking, you know, for, for people who don't have that, I feel really bad for them. You know, I really feel bad that they're not having that type of upbringing within their life. But, you know, one of the things that that God has called you and I to do is to take the word and spread it throughout this entire world. And I'm not getting into that this morning, but that is a responsibility that we have to do. We can make up where others fall short as the church. Um, Throughout the Bible, we, we understand that God blesses people generationally. You look through scriptures and you can see where God was involved in families throughout their generation. In fact, the Bible talks a bit about the generational blessings, as well as the generational cursings. God, I believe, taking something that He has and He puts this something into people of one generation, so that they can then take it and share it with the next generation. I, I look here right now within in the service, and I see a, you know different generations that are represented here. And you are what you have become because of those who have spoken into your life. We are a people of influence. We are a people who, unfortunately, many times will kind of, what, go with the flow, so to speak. But with that being said, with blessings come and being passed down through generations, we also know that the cursings can come being passed down through generations. I saw this statistic this week, and it really bothered me. And I was like, man, that's a, that is something that we must break within the church, but also within society. And that is 97% of those who have been abused in their home as a child are now child abusers themselves. These are things that must be broken. These are areas of life that must dissolve and no longer be within the Christ-centered home. But let's just put it out as as plain as day, do not need to be within our society. These are generational cursings that happen, but we can understand this. We can take fact that, yes, God brings generational blessings. Man allows generational cursings, but God can break that generational curse. God can break whatever that addictive substance may be that runs through your family, that behavior that may run through your family, those attitudes that may run through your family. If we will allow God to step in and be God as he says he is, and as we say we want him to be, then these things are able and capable of being broken. We all have people who have spoken into our lives and they have brought great value to us. Different values such as this, and I'm gonna look at the first one here. Or excuse me, let me go to my scripture first. 145, Psalms 145, verse 4 is this. And I apologize, I don't have, as I typically do, a, um, an outline for you today. That's because I really didn't finish this till yesterday. I've been, I've been trying to figure out exactly what the direction that we were supposed to go in. But Psalms 145 and 4 says, one generation commends your work to another. That's talking about what? Generation to generation. They tell of your mighty acts. Again, like I said, I can look back and and I can, I can, I I recall stories my mom told me of her great grandfather and her grandfather, of how they got involved in the city of Baltimore and planted churches there. Then I I can recall my my mom telling me of her dad and and who's my grandfather and, and the state of Texas and how he went out and in Pennsylvania. And, and planted churches and pastor churches. And, and I hear of these great things and these great stories. You know, with great stories also is great tragedy too. We don't always hear those stories. But we're always hearing of these great values and these great stories that we get from different people who can speak within our lives. And, and it's not just family. It's what can we do as individuals to speak into someone's life. You know, today is, yes, Father's Day. Okay, we're celebrating dads. But what we're about to get into this morning are values that we're going to talk about here in just a few moments, quickly, in fact, about what we can allow to be within our lives so that we can pour into someone else. The first value that we're going to take a look at here is a value of stewardship. Stewardship is this. The definition is the job of supervising or taking care of something. Now, God has blessed me To take care of my family. To to do what I can to meet the needs of my wife, to meet the needs of my children, to take care of them. That is something that God has allowed me to, to, I guess you could say, manage. Now, understanding this, that what God owns everything. There's nothing within this universe, within this earth, in the past, in the present, nor in the future, that God has not directly been involved in. Everything you have is God created. The family you have, the children you have, the friendships, the relationships, the home, the clothing, the finances, the money, the job. Everything you lay your eyes on, it is because of God. God has created it. But God has called us to be stewards of this, to be stewards of the family to be stewards of the jobs, to be stewards of your finances, to be stewards spiritually. He has called us to be managers of what he owns. So one of the values that we need to take on in our lives is to be being good stewards. What are the things, and here's a challenge for you this morning, what are the things that God has allowed to be a part of your life that maybe you're not being the good steward over? Hopefully it's not over a relationship or children. Hopefully it's not over a job or financial responsibilities, but it could be. And as I said earlier in the message that some of these things are passed down from us from different generations. But God is able to allow us and to help us to break such cursings within our lives. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 through 20 tells us, it tells us this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, what I have now is merely temporary. The things that I have within my life now, remember what? Our life is but a mere vapor compared to our eternal existence. We're mere, uh, Paul puts it, we're sojourners, we're aliens. We're not citizens of this world, we're citizens of God's kingdom. We're only here for a short period of time. So what we have been given responsibility over, we need to understand that that is a calling that God has placed within your life. What are you going to do with it? So one of the first values we can understand this morning is that God has placed stewardship within our lives. The second one is this, and and we could all get a little work on this one. The value of the what? Attitude. I've heard it this way. Life is 10% of what happens to me, but it is 90% of how I react to it. It's obvious that the most outcomes are due to our decisions. How are you responding? Look. Let's just face it, sometimes in the heat of the moment, we're not responding well, are we? Sometimes when the anxiety is built there, when the stress is there, when the disappointment sets in, sometimes we are not responding well. But one of the values that God wants us to have in our lives and understand is the value of attitude. Watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. I love this scripture. This is, we're we're going to put some major emphasis on on a few words. You're going to understand why. This is Paul speaking. Paul had a lot of mess going on in his life. Watch this in the scripture. Sorrowful. Sorrowful. What does the word say? Yet. Always what? Rejoicing. Poor. Big word here. What? Yet. Making many rich. Having nothing. What is it? Yet. Possessing. Everything. Paul, in this moment, is demonstrating what? A great attitude. I mean, think about it this way. Synopsis of his life right now. Hey, if you don't stop preaching, we will throw you in prison. Paul's response would be something like this. Well, that would be great because then there's some guys there that need to hear the message too. Now, first of all, I'm not sure I would be taking on that attitude. You know what I mean? Hmm. Paul is like, you know, or, or, or then they're, they're coming at him and go, okay, well, then we will just cut your head off. Paul's response, this is just me thinking, this is what he would say. Well, sounds good to me because what? To live is Christ and to die is gain. What a great representation of an attitude. And you say, well, that's what you said. No, those are actually in Scripture. You can look at them. That's just me summarizing it for you. Paul demonstrating such a fantastic attitude. Now, look, if you've had little kids... You know, sometimes it's hard to demonstrate a fantastic attitude. All right. It's simply just, you know, the other day I was on a uh, field trip and I loved the field. The field trip was a blast. All right. We had a great time. They got the, I got to pet animals. They got to the pet animals too, but then I got the pet animals, you know, uh, this thing, it looked like a llama, but it wasn't a llama. I don't even know what it's called, but it looked like a llama. I thought that was just the coolest thing in the world, you know, but I on the bus ride home. I'm sitting there. And these, uh, these kids across from me, they were not in my group. They were not my responsibility, Crystal. All right? You'll, you'll know why I said that here in just a second. They were sitting across from me, and they were taking these water bottles. You hear that? This is what they were doing. And then they were taking it, and they were, bam, hitting each other on the head. And I'm just going, they're not in my group. I have my group here, and they're being good they're not in my group. I have my group here. They're being good. And then Crystal's like, can you not take care of them? (laughs) Not quite like that. You know, I got to exaggerate a little bit. Okay. And, uh, but, but you know, it's it's funny. I looked at him. I said, guys, you're making me look really bad. And I'm going to have a bad attitude in a second. Do you think that worked? No, they just continue to do it regardless, you know, but you know, our attitude means a lot. You know, if you come around, somebody's got a bad attitude all the time. You don't want to be around that person. Seriously, what are you doing? You see him coming. You're going, oh, I'm busy. Somebody call. Hey, babe, how you doing? (laughs) Doing good. You know what I mean? That's what we're doing. We're trying to get out of the limelight. We want to be away from them because their attitude is pretty sorry. Well, guess what? You just demonstrated a sorry attitude as well. It's our responsibility, right? What? In all things, In everything, express joy because God has given you so much more than you ever deserved. Even though you are his favorite. You are what? A child of the Most High God. Awesome. All right, so here we go. Next one is this. Value of humility. I heard this quote. I love this quote. I heard it this week, actually. A person on their face can never fall from that position. Let me repeat that. Maybe you've heard that before. You might want to write that down. I'm going to say it slower. It's not up here because I didn't give it to them. But here it is. A person on their face can never fall from that position. So much truth, right? So much powerful truth in that statement. Starting every day as low as we possibly can and making it all about who? Jesus. Matthew chapter 5 Verse 5, in Matthew, uh, Matthew 5 is the, the great chapter there. We got the Beatitudes. But uh, he goes on to say, blessed. We see that first word. Now, if you've been with our Wednesday night group, we broke down the word blessed and we gave a definition of it for about four or five weeks in a row. We understand that blessed meaning is meaning this. God's good fortune for our lives. I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in karma. I believe in God's good fortune. God blesses us. God what? He allows things to happen in our lives. We also understand this, that blessed also means God's strength. Look, i got to have strength. I can't do this thing called life on my own. Because every time I've ever tried to do it on my own, guess what I've done? Yeah, I've failed miserably. You can't be married as a couple on your own without Christ being in the center of it. You can't raise them little snot-nosed little boys without Christ. Being in the center of it. You need God's presence in everything, do we not? We need God in our job that you are so absolutely hating. But you need to understand this. God's brought it into your life to bring provision and to take care of your need. And if you're faithful in it, do you not think that God can't give you more? Because he can and he will. So we understand that it says blessed The The third definition of bless is God's presence within our lives. I need his presence every single day. I need his strength. I need his presence. And if I have them, guess what I have? I have his good fortune. So we, we can understand that we must have humility within our lives. If we can just start every day with God on our minds. And getting on our face before him and seeking after his presence, his presence, what? Within our businesses, within our homes, within our relationships. You know, I, I've, I've, I've taken notice to a lot of uh, businesses and entrepreneurs who are successful. And, and I've been studying some of them and, I'm, I, and there's a reason why. Because they have characteristics that are very similar that allow them to be successful in everything that they are. And these characteristics allow them to be successful. So why not pattern my life off of someone who was successful? So I go through the Bible and I begin to read through the scriptures. And I see men and women all throughout the scriptures who have struggled spiritually. But somewhere along that life's journey and that spiritual journey, they did something that changed the shift where it went from bad to good. From ugly to beautiful. And why did did these things happen? Because they become humble. They understood that I am at the highest point of my life when I'm at the lowest as I'm laying before, what? The foot of the cross or the feet of Jesus. Now, there's a scripture in Matthew 11 and 29. I love this scripture. It says, what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle, and what does it say? Humble. Humble in your heart. And you will find what? This is what everyone's looking for right there, isn't it? I just need a little time to rest. I just need a little time to relax. Because our, our lives are so, we're, we're, we're planning vacations. Why? So we can get away from the hectic world that we live in. From all the craziness that's happened around us. Sometimes we're going through some really bad seasons. And what are we looking for? God, I need a break. I love what Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. When you need that moment to calm down. When you need that time, that season of rest within your life. Take yourself. Separate yourself. This is something that I've learned to do. And I've had to learn the hard way in this. But separating myself and going, I need this next one, value of prayer. Prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. Amen? I'm going to give you a scripture. Matthew 17, 19 through 21 says, Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, here we go. Here's an addition to the scripture because some manuscripts have this and some do not. But it goes on to say, this kind can come only by what? Prayer. And then another version actually says prayer and what? Fasting. We have to do our part. We need to understand. We need to be and allow prayer to be of value within our lives, dads, moms, children. How should we pray? How am I supposed to pray? Let me read the scripture to you. Jesus gives us the exact blueprint. Understand, blueprint of how our prayer life should, should fall. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This is This then is how you should pray. What our Father in heaven, hallowed, be your name. Your kingdom come will be done. What on earth, as it is, and where heaven, giving us to stay our daily bread, forgiving us of our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but to what deliver us from the evil one. That should be the blueprint of our prayer life. Giving God to Thanksgiving, asking God for the forgiveness, thanking Him for the provision, but also helping those who we dislike the most. And there no amens on that one, was there? Those of those that, that, that get under our skin sometimes, right? But yet we need to be valued stewards, don't we? We need to be, allow that to be a value within our lives. So if God allowed these people to be within our lives, what do we have to do? Manage it appropriately, and allow God to interact. We need to be allow humility. We need to allow prayer. We got to have a good what attitude. And then here, here's another one. We must value people, the value of people. I heard a guy say this, I put a 10 on everyone. There's a gold inside every person. Well, we don't want to hear that, do we? No. (laughs) I put a 10 on everyone because there's gold inside of every individual. Watch this. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them to do to you. For this, what, sums up the law of the prophets. I want to repeat that scripture because it's a really difficult one sometimes for us to, to grasp. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. I love this. Jesus, in uh, John chapter 8, 10 through 11, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one, con- has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. If Jesus isn't condemning them, what gives you the right to do it? In every individual there is gold. We need to, if we could treat everyone as if they are a child of God. Why? Because they are a child of God. If we could treat everyone as the scripture says how we want to be treated. How much better would the world we live in actually be? I love that. Then I want to go into 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 16. It says this I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you, as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And then Malachi 4, 6 says, He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. You know how the enemy can creep into your life the greatest is through your family. If he can disrupt the family, he can disrupt your spiritual life. He is aiming at that. He wants to bring you down. He realizes that you are spiritually strong. Some of you, he realizes that you are in prayer, you're in fasting, you're in all these spiritual disciplines. And he knows he can't creep in there. So what is he going to do? He's going to try to destroy you to what? Kill, de- steal, and destroy. He's what going around as a roaring lion, looking at whom he can what devour. And how is he doing it? By coming in within the family. Watch, I, w- I want you guys to see this uh, next video.
1: After every catch he makes on the baseball field, he'll look to you to make sure you're smiling. When her friends make the fourth grade pep squad, but she doesn't, she'll look to you for comfort. When she feels misunderstood by her brothers and sisters, she'll look to you for understanding. They'll never stop looking to you. When she walks down the aisle on that magical day, she'll look to you to bring peace to her anxious heart. When he plays his first concert with his new band, he'll look to your face in the crowd. When she makes choices that will break your heart, she'll eventually look to you for forgiveness and restoration. They'll never stop looking to you. and you can never stop. You must never stop looking to God. They don't need you to be perfect. They just need you to be authentic and offer them Jesus anyway. They need you to try your very best, and even if you fail, they need to see you rise up again. They need you to follow hard after Jesus as best you can, because they will never stop looking to you. Son, I'm writing these words to you because you are and always have been the legacy I've wanted to leave. And now, it's your moment. It's your chance to leave a legacy of loving Jesus with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. They'll never stop loving you. And that's the way God created to be.
0: So, we understand that the enemy is trying to, to come in within our families to try to what? To steal, to kill, to destroy it. He knows that the weakness for your life is to creep in through your family. He knows that's an avenue and that's an open window of opportunity. You know, this video here talks about, you know, pouring in, pouring in, pouring in. God has called all of us in this room to be a father. And and that's not just gender specific within that. But God has called us to be a father in in the sense that to... To allow us to heal wounds and allow God to heal wounds that have been open for a long time or even a short time. James 5 and 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And to what? Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is what? Powerful and it's effective. What I like about that scripture, and and I want to, uh, can you please keep that up for just a second there? It says, therefore, what? Confess your sins to each other and pray. See, it's not enough in that moment, in this scripture, and I'm going to tell you why. Just to confess your sin to Christ in that moment, ask for forgiveness. Because uh, this, this is something here that's dealing relationally. This is a relational scripture here. Because if I have mistreated someone, it's not enough just for me to go, Lord, forgive me of this sin. But God has given me a responsibility in the scripture to do what? Go to the person and ask for the forgiveness of sin. But watch, what they do with it at that point is what? On them. But you have been given a responsibility. So we need to understand that we need to be a father and and allowing what God to heal, but also in number two, being a father, that we can do that principle because God wants us within our lives to do what? Pour into people. It's my job to pour into my sons. That is my ultimate responsibility, is to pour into them, to pour in structure, to pour in discipline, but more importantly, to pour in Jesus. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says this, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. Watch this. A man reaps what he sows. What are you sowing into your family? This isn't just to dads. This is to all of us. What are you sowing into your family? How are your children observing what you're sowing into your family? How is everyone around you watching you? What you are sowing into your family. Because whatever you sow, you're going to reap that harvest back. No one loves me. Love someone, you will get loved. I don't have this or that. Sow some this or that into someone's life and see what will happen to yours. When you pour your life into others, it is the best gift you can ever give. And lastly, thirdly, as I come to my closing, is this, we must relate to God as our father. God is not the leader ...of a religious organization. He is a father. Romans chapter 8... ...verses 15 through 16 tells us this. The spirit you received... ...does not make you slaves... ...so that you live in fear again. Rather... ...the spirit you received... ...brought about your adoption... ...to sonship. And by him we cry what? Abba, Father... The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. God's Spirit touches our spirit. It confirms who we really are. And when God touches our spirit, and then we begin to reach out into other lives, watch this, God touches them too. God begins to move when you allow him to move in your life. I want you to stand with me this morning. And I want you to understand that there's incredible value in in each and every one of you. There is. God has specifically designed you for purpose, for plan. He's got a will for your life. God has specifically designed you with interests, abilities, all so that you can what? Pour in to someone else. What you have, you don't have. It's not yours. It's God's. And he's asking you to be a good steward with it and to share it with others. The attitude you have, you need to look at. Where is my attitude? What what kind of attitude am I demonstrating? When I get angered, And I lash out. What is my reaction? How is it helping the situation? Or how is it worsening it? I believe that all of us today, as I mentioned before, are a father. We have things that we can pour in to people. The question is, are you willing to allow God to change what's not appropriate within your life? So that then you can pour into what other people need because God's designed you to fulfill a purpose into someone's life. And that someone, watch this. I almost can guarantee it. It's within your family. It's within your family. God has placed you with those who are closest around you for a reason. And the greatest audience you can ever have in your life is your family, sons, daughters, a spouse, it's parents, grandparents, it's your cousins, your aunts, uncles, whoever, and then it flows into the family of God. And then it flows within to our society. How can we make an impact? How can we bring peace into a world that is hating? By God, by Jesus, by allowing the Holy Spirit to move. You know, we're here to celebrate dads, but before I get into that part of it, I have to do this. I want every about every I close this morning. We talked about our heavenly father today. We talked about what he has given us, but the greatest gift that he has given us and we get it every single day is his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. Let, let, Let me rephrase it. So God loved you so much. The Bible says that he gave his what? Only. The word there is somewhat emphasized. He didn't say that God gave his son. He said only. When you have an only of something, there's value to that only. And what was so valuable to him, he gave to you. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, who's the whosoever? Every single one of us. That whosoever would believe in him shall not, what, perish, but, what, have everlasting life. That's the value that God has poured into you. If you don't know who this Jesus is, if he's not the Lord of your life, if you've not made that commitment to him, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If that is you, with every about every eye closed, all I want you to do is just raise your hand. Is there anybody here today? he says i want jesus to be the lord of my life from this day forward. I see that hand. One more moment, anyone else? All right, you can put your hand down. Here's what we're going to do. we're going to say this prayer together and we're going to say it boldly. Father God, Thank you for giving your only son for my sins. Jesus, today I accept you as my Lord, my Master, my King, my Redeemer, and my Savior. Help me to live my life according to your word. Remind me Daily of this moment that I will never forget the time that you changed my life. I love you. Amen. Can we we give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there? Absolutely. Now, okay, here's the deal. Dads, if you're a dad, I want you to throw your hand up. Throw it up. Just throw it up. All right. Look at all these dads. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Congratulations, dads. You have been blessed so much because of what God allowed to be a part of your life. Now, don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer over our dads, and I'm going to let you leave. Dads, we've got something special for you as you leave out in the lobby. Take it. Enjoy it. Father, we love you we thank you for this day we're here celebrating our earthly fathers but god most importantly we're here celebrating you and for what you have done for us you have given the greatest gift you could ever give that is through your son jesus christ and we love you lord allow these values to be in these gentlemen and these men may that when they leave here god may they be transformed and and god interact with their families differently interact with their co-workers differently interact with society differently, Lord. Let them be the salt of the earth, the light of this world. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. And Father, let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, you are strength. You are a redeemer. Every tithing, offering, gift given to you today, may it be used to grow your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the church says, amen. We love you guys.